Amen. Welcome to Tongues Part 2. Amen. We'll do a quick review. For those of you that could stomach and handle Part 1, and you've gone on to Part 2, we'll just do a review. A tongue's a member of the body. Amen. It's my tongue. It's protected by two walls, a wall of flesh and iron, and uh, a wall of uh, uh, enamel, amen, porcelain. <laughs> it got some metal in there too. But that tongue's guarded. It's a member of my body. Number two, it's a manner of speech, like a forked tongue. Number three, tongues are languages. And we've seen that tongues are also a judgment from the Tower of Babel. We've seen over there the Bible says, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a word to thee not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And the problem with tongues and the Pentecostals and their movement today is they don't rightly divide the word of truth. Number two, they don't have a Bible that's a final authority. Any Bible goes in their churches. And when you try to pin them down and show them what says the scriptures, they can't handle it. Right? And uh, the Bible says, Shun profane and vain babblings. And then he's talking about the people that can't understand their speech. He called them barbaric. And according to 1 Corinthians 7, number 3, whom Paul's dealing with, he's dealing with babies, immature Christians. And so the modern day Pentecostal would be best described as a babbling barbaric baby. Amen. Listen, I'm just quoting Bible. That's what God said. That's what the Holy Ghost penned down and wrote in his book. And when he put the pieces of the puzzle together, they come out to be barbaric Babbling barbaric babies. Amen. I think that's what we ought to call them because that's what God called them. Right? And then we've seen over there about tongues. That he's going to bring it back to a pure language. 1 Corinthians chapter number 13 verse, 3, or 8, 13, verse 8 said tongues shall cease. The tongues that are ceasing there is not unknown tongues that the charismatics claim that they have and that's the Baptist reason and excuse and verse to explain away the modern day charismatic movement. What he's talking about in 1 Corinthians 13, when that which is perfect has come, that's talking about the Lord Jesus Christ personally showing up here and they see him face to face because we see through a glass darkly. It's not talking about charity coming up to, to the fullness in your life and when you finally get charity, adding to your faith charity, the bond of perfection that tongues will cease and prophecies will fail and knowledge will vanish away. No, that ain't what it's talking about. It's talking about having a face-to-face -face encounter, amen, with the Lord Jesus Christ. And when he comes back and he puts his foot on the Mount of Olives and he winds up setting up the kingdom, Revelation eleven fifteen, tongues will cease. What's that happening? Zephaniah 3, verse 8, God's going to destroy the nations. His determination is to destroy the nations. He's going to do that at Armageddon, at Jerusalem, where he's coming. Then he'll restore the earth to a pure language. One language. Tongues, amen, started in Genesis chapter number 11 as a judgment. And it's going to end when he removes the curse on the land, on the people, on creation. And he's going to go back to one pure language, which most likely will be Hebrew. According to Acts chapter 26, I believe it's verse 14, amen, that he spoke in Hebrew to Paul. Right? Amen. So we got to understand what we're dealing with. And then we got into Mark 16 and we run out of precious minutes. In Mark chapter number 16, you're dealing with 11 men that are sitting here in unbelief. Amen. In Mark chapter number 16, he said, verse 14, afterward, uh, he appeared unto the eleven, and, he's, and as they sat at meat, he upbraided them for their unbelief. Jesus giving these boys a hard time. Hey, knucklehead, why didn't you believe what I told you? I've been telling you and telling you and telling you and telling you. Why didn't you believe me? Why didn't you believe me? Why didn't you believe me? He's dealing with, he's upbraiding them. He's, he's raking them over the coals. Amen. This sweet, loving, kind, little effeminate Jesus the world has. Uh, you got a drill sergeant sitting there looking at his generals and saying, why didn't you believe what I told you? I told you, I told you. Didn't I, Pete? I told you. Amen. He's a man shooting straight. Amen. A wise man loveth what? Rebuke. Rebuke. You know what he's doing? He's rebuking his disciples. He's upbraiding them. And what? Hardness of heart. <laughs> Boy, that creeps in real quick, doesn't it? You know why people leave churches today according to Hebrews 3.12? Unbelief. The deceitfulness. 
of unbelief. People, every, listen, everything comes down to not believing what God says. All the problems of sin in the world, they don't believe the book. All the problem with all these different denominations, everything else, people don't believe the book. The problem in a marriage and a home, somebody's not believing what the book says and practicing it. Amen. 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 The bottom line is, is we get hard in our hearts because of the junk that we go through, the, the situations that we experience in life. We get hard. We begin to not believe what God says because we don't see it work. Should we quit growing crops because it takes so long to see fruit? A farmer knows it takes a while to prepare the soil, prepare the seed, get the land out there, get the seed in the ground, spread the fertilizer, grow it back, water it, amen, and it takes a long time for that crop to produce. Should we stop farming because it takes so long? Listen, Covey's got it in his book on the law of the farm. Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. He said there's a law of the farm. And a lot of people want to cram for the final exam. And you can't cram on the farm. You can't plant, plow, and pick the same week. It don't happen. There's a process. And in Christian life, Brother Esep said one of the greatest things I ever heard. He said, growth is imperceptible. We want to see magic grow. We come to these hyped up camp meetings and hyped up revivals and all these seminars and we got these super full blown speakers coming in. I mean these are gods on foot, right? They come in and they're speaking under the anointing of the Holy Ghost and somehow they're going to wave a magic magic wand over us over that period of time and we're going to go to our house and we're going to come back giants for Jesus. And all of a sudden you go up to work and you smash your thumb and you cuss. And all of a sudden you go out there and you fumble and you stumble. And your wife's got bad breath and you got bad breath. And next thing you know, you guys are arguing and said, what's this Christian thing? Where's the Holy Ghost at? Ah, oh, fooey and give up. You know why? Because growth is imperceptible. And you'll make a decision down here. And when you hit the altar and you make a decision, it may take years for that thing to come to fruition. Amen. It's got to be worked in. It's got to be worked out. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. It didn't say work at your salvation. Salvation's in. Now it's got to be worked out. Growth is imperceptible and we need to be able to see some things. And uh, the problem is we don't grow as fast as we perceive. And growth takes a while. But you can see growth. Amen? In people's lives that spend some time in the book and are faithful to read and pray and study and work and witness. And eventually you begin to see progress. You begin to see things change. Right? Amen. We watched a video not too long ago and this kid had to uh, dig fence, hole, fence post holes and put a fence up. And uh, it was about as far as I can see. And he had to start one. He had to start with two. He had to go to three. And next thing you know, he's to 100. Next thing you know, he's to 200. Next thing you know, he's to 300. What? One post at a time. Yeah. It takes a while. But when it's done, you can see what's accomplished. God's not done with me yet. I'm a work in progress and grow sometimes slower than we want it to be. Amen? I don't know why I got off on growth. But uh, Jesus is upbraiding these men for their unbelief and hardness of heart. And people just don't believe the book because it doesn't happen. Lickety-split. Wave a magic wand. Snap your fingers. Well, I'm throwing Christianity and the Bible out the window because it didn't work. I took a rod and spanked my son one time and it didn't work. He still went back out and, and did what I told him. So I'm going to put the rod down. And you can raise the devil. God said, be times. What's that mean? Over and 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 over. And when you're done, do it again. Don't spare for his crying. Don't give up. But see, we're lazy. We want instant cures. Everybody's looking for instant cure. And so all these men are coming by selling their snake oil and people are buying these elixirs. Hoping they got the magic cure. And in the Pentecostal movement, amen, you hit the altar, you get an electrical tingle and shock in your body, you speak in tongues, amen, now that's the final experience. That is the pinnacle of their Christian life. They throw the Bible aside and now they got to recreate Pentecost over and over and over and over again and that's their badge of spirituality. And I'm telling you, it turns into a three-ring three -ring circus. That's the pinnacle. They cannot go any farther in their Christian life. And they're going and putting it. This is the ultimate. This is the ultimate. Everybody must come to this pinnacle, to this ultimate experience in life. And then every Sunday, every service, everything's always to recreate what happened that day. 
listen, the birth of a child is beautiful. I don't know how many women want to recreate that every day. Right? Now sometimes they wish that joker could just go right back up the womb and disappear because he's such a problem to deal with. Right? Listen, we don't want to just recreate what happened on Pentecost. Everybody wants to go back to the early church. Let's, re let's, let's go on back to Pentecost and get what Pentecost had. God wants us to leave Pentecost and leave Jerusalem and go to Antioch and get in a good Bible-believing school and church over there in Antioch. Amen. And learn the Word of God. Paul didn't grow till he got in the Word and he got in a church and he began to train and teach others. And then God called the church in Antioch and said, Hey, I need Barnabas and Saul for work. After they got rooted and grounded in a church, you can't get these clowns, these knuckleheads, these charismatic churches to get anybody to grow anywhere. All they're chasing is an experience. They don't know how to study their Bible. They just pick and choose what they want out of it. They don't know how to rightly divide. They don't, they, they, they don't know it. And when you begin to show it to them, they just shut down. They don't even want to understand it. Why? Because it's all experience-orientated. Amen. Afterward, he appeared on the who? The eleven. And the upper, uh, as they sat at meat, he upbraided them for their unbelief and hardness of heart because they believed not them which had seen him after he was risen. He said unto them, Go ye in all the world and preach what? The gospel of who? Every creature. You know what? That's not the gospel. The grace of God spoken by Paul in 1 Corinthians 15. Paul ain't even converted yet. That revelation of the gospel in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 hasn't even been revealed. The only gospel been revealed to these boys is the gospel of the kingdom. Right? right. This, is, this is three days after he was crucified. Right? Amen. You guys, am I losing you? Listen, you've got to understand the historical setting where we're at right here. He's talking to the apostles. After his resurrection, after he went up and he took the blood to the Calvary, or to the mercy seat and came back, he's down here talking to these men. The only gospel they know is the gospel of the kingdom. And when you get in Acts 1, wilt thou this time restore what? The kingdom to who? Israel. Israel. It's the kingdom gospel. That ain't the gospel of the grace of God spoken by Paul in 1 Corinthians. Paul's not even saved yet. Amen. you got to understand where you're at. People don't understand. And they want to go over in 1 Corinthians chapter number 15 and read that into Mark number 16. And all these preachers are saying, go ye and preach to God, uh, the Great Commission. Listen, I'm not up against taking the gospel to the world, the gospel of the grace of God. They need it. Every creature needs it. I can spiritualize the passage. I'm preaching to you historical and doctrine application right now. That's where they're all messed up. They don't understand history. They don't understand the doctrine and who they're dealing with. And all these people take and they spiritualize the Bible. Listen, Brother Dax was supposedly supposed to preach for a guy last night. And Brother Dax is preaching for a guy that's amillennialist. Don't believe the Bible. Amillennials, uh, United Primitive Baptist preachers and all that crowd over there don't believe in the millennium. They allegorize the Bible. They make the whole Bible spiritualized. They, they make it a picture and types and they don't have no science doctrine. Why? Because they make a story out of everything and spiritualize everything and nothing has a real, true, sound meaning. It's all some mysterious picture. And they don't believe it literal. That's the problem. And people follow that stuff and not follow that junk and they won't take time to study the real Bible. This gospel they're preaching is the gospel of the kingdom. We can make a spiritual application to us with the gospel of the grace of God. But you must be able to understand the difference. You understand? Because this is a gospel that's going to the apostles. And we haven't got to the apostles yet. When we get to the apostles, you'll see some things. This is an apostolic signs and wonders that are given to them, not to every Christian in the 20th century. So you go on there and preach the gospel to every creature, and he that believeth and is what? Water baptism had part to do with the gospel of the kingdom. Amen, 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 amen. It has nothing to do with the gospel of the grace of God under the apostle Paul. People better understand that. That's the problem. Men try to explain this away. Why do you think Peter stood up in Acts 2? Repent and be baptized. Because it's part of the gospel of the kingdom. What was John the Baptist's baptism? 
John 1, 31. What was John's baptism for? John came baptizing with what? Water. Unto repentance. For what? What did it do? What did it produce? What was the purpose of John the Baptist's baptism? To manifest the Messiah to Israel. John was the forerunner of Jesus Christ. He was a picture of Elijah coming. And he stood on the river Jordan and said, Repent! For the kingdom of heaven is at hand! And all Israel gathered around. And he says, The Messiah is coming. The kingdom of heaven is coming. You need to repent. Come down and get baptized. And when they got baptized and submitted to John's baptism and they stood up, the scales on their eyes fell off. And when Jesus showed up, they said, there he is, there's the Messiah, and they followed him. That baptism pictured cleansing and purifying for the Jew, not us. Amen. John's baptism had a specific purpose, and that's all that Peter knew. Amen. But listen, people better understand their Bible, and that's the problem. They don't rightly divide. We're not under John the Baptist's baptism. That changed in Acts chapter number 19. Paul clearly shows us that. Amen. Peter's baptism clearly changes according to Acts chapter number 10. What Peter did in Acts 2, the Gentiles got the Holy Ghost and spake with tongues to convince Peter, an unbelieving apostle, that the Gentiles also could get what they had. And that's what Acts 11 is all about because he rehearses it to the apostles and says, guess what? God sent me to the Gentiles. And I went to Cornelius' house. And guess what? They got the Holy Ghost like we did. Had to convince all them apostles that the Gentiles could get it. Amen. And then what? Acts 15. Peter stands up and says, guess what? They get saved like we do. By grace through faith. Amen. He didn't put baptism in there in Acts 15. It's gone. Paul said, Christ sent me not to baptize but to preach the gospel. Listen, they better understand what's going on here. And men can't rightly divide this thing. And there's tons of Baptist preachers out there cannot explain this passage because they don't know their Bible. All they know is take a verse and take a fit. Right. And all they know if they can slobber and jump pews and scream and holler, amen, and slobber all over the place, that they think they've done something because they sweated three and a half pounds off while they preached. And they just bark, 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 and they don't know no Bible. And they foul people up. I'm trying to tell you something today. This is true. This was a plan of salvation for them back then, not for us today. People don't get that. They're in trouble. So the average Baptist says, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth what? Not shall be damned. See? Baptism not, but you know, they want to use, see, believing not. Verse 17. And these signs shall follow them that believe in my name, they shall cast out devils and speak with what? New tongues. And they shall take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. That's where we ended part one. Amen. Listen, you read over there, Jesus healed every disease. Jesus healed everyone. The disciples healed everybody. They didn't have no misfires. And he told them to go and lay hands on the sick, they shall recover. You know what happens in Acts chapter number 3? Peter comes over there in Acts chapter 3. There's a man sitting there at the gate called Beautiful at the temple. Amen. And he walks up and says, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have in the name of Jesus Christ. Rise up, walk, reach down, grab the man by the feet, pulled him up. Immediately his legs grabbed strength. And next thing you know, he's leaping and dancing all through the temple. Woo-hoo! woo No faith. A part of the man on there. It was the faith of the apostle. Right. And he went down and he grabbed him. Didn't even ask permission. <laughs> just jerked them up. Peter and John did. And that man's rejoicing, getting in the temple. Then they get whipped and beat because of that. In Acts chapter number 4. Right? And they said, you know what? Mighty, no mighty notable miracles have been done by these men. What do we do? So let's, let's whip them and beat them and threaten them not to preach no more. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm trying to teach, teach you the Bible and tell you what's really happening. And these people want to twist the scriptures and spiritualize it instead of literally believing the historical account what happened in their Bible. Verse 19, so then after the Lord had spoken unto them, he was received up in heaven. Acts chapter number 1, his ascension. And sat on the right hand of God where he sits today making intercession for us. Right? Verse 20, and they went forth and preached everywhere. And the Lord working with them, confirming the word with what? Signs what? 
following. They had no completed revelation. They did, all they had was an Old Testament. They didn't have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Acts, Romans, Amen, 1st, 2nd Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, 1st, 2nd Thessalonians, 1st, 2nd Timothy, Titus, Philemon, Hebrews, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, Amen, James, Peter, I, mean, I messed up the order there, right? And 2nd Peter and Jude and Revelation. They didn't have none of that. They didn't have the 27 new books of the New Testament. All they know is they're apostles and they got signs and wonders and they're telling everybody he rose from the dead. You understand what I'm saying? The signs of an apostle. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Uh, people, people don't get this. They're going to be all fouled up. you got to believe the book. 2 Corinthians 12, verse 12. Truly the signs of who? An apostle will wrought among you in all patience, signs, wonders, and what? Mighty deeds. How many apostles did Jesus call? Huh? What? Twelve? Twelve. Let's go to Hebrews 3 1. Hebrews chapter number 3, verse 1. He called the twelve. He trained the twelve. Matthew number 10. Amen. He called the twelve. He gives you a list of them. Matthew 10. And he sent them only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Right? You with me? Verse 1, Hebrews 3, 1. Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of heavenly calling, consider what? The apostle and high priest of our profession, Jesus Christ. So you got Jesus Christ who is the apostle that calls out who? Twelve men. How many does that make? Thirteen. Who's the thirteenth apostle then? Matthew chapter number 10. Matthew chapter number 10. Who's, who's the, the 13th apostle? Who's the 13th apostle in Matthew chapter number 10? Let's see. We've got a list here. Verse 1. And when he called him 12 disciples, he gave them power against unclean spirits to cast them out to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. No misfires, no mistakes. Verse 2, and now the names of the twelve apostles are these. First Simon, amen, who's called Peter, and Andrew his brother, and James uh, the son of Zebedee, and John his brother, Philip, Bartholomew, Thomas, Matthew, amen, the publican, James, the son of Alphaeus, Lebius, whose surname Thaddeus, Simon the Canaanite, Judas is carrot, who also betrayed him. These twelve, Judas is the thirteenth apostle. You ever study the number 13? See what coordinate what it has to do with the devil? John 6, 70, 6, 7, and 0 equal 13. Have not I chosen you 12 and 1, 13? Amen. Is a devil. Amen. 39 books in the Old Testament. 13 times 3 is 39. And it ends in a curse. 13, 13, or 3, 13. Amen. In uh, the book of Galatians, Jesus was made a curse. For us. Listen, 13's got a bad connotation with it. And Judas is the 13th. Yep. Amen. The signs of an apostle. Judas was a devil and he worked miracles. And he just didn't hold the bag. He could do what them guys were doing. And he was a devil. He had power. And in Revelation 16, 13 and 14, devils, unclean spirits, amen, come out of the mouth of the frogs. Right? Mouth of the false prophet, the mouth of the dragon, and the mouth of uh, the Antichrist, the son of perdition. And there's spirits of devils working miracles. Amen. Listen, these people better be careful, man. They're messing with something. And when Satan shows up, he shows up with all power, signs, and lying wonders. Lies. Working miracles. Performing magical feats under the power. That God gave him, and it's a lie. Well, I tell you what, people better be careful. Yes, sir. Amen. Let's go to Acts chapter number two. We're seeing the signs of an apostle, right? Acts chapter number two. You there with me? Let's look in Acts one twenty six. And they gave forth their lots, and the lot fell upon Matthias, and he was numbered with who? The eleven apostles. When you go back up in Acts chapter number 1, 
Verse 15, those days Peter stood in the midst of the disciples and said unto them, Amen, and said, the number of them together about 120, men and brethren, the scriptures must uh, have needs have been fulfilled, which the Holy Ghost by the mouth of David spake, Amen, concerning Judas, which was guide to them that took Jesus, for he was numbered with us and obtained part of this ministry. And he purchased a field, a reward of iniquity, with the reward of iniquity, fallen headlong, he burst asunder in the midst, and all his bowels gushed out. He committed suicide. And it was known unto them, and all the dwellers of Jerusalem, insomuch that the field is called in their proper tongue, a seldama, which is to say the field of blood. For it is written in the book of Psalms, let his habitation be desolate, let no man dwell therein, and his bishop prick, let another take. Wherefore, of these men which have accompanied with us all the time that the Lord Jesus what? Went in and out among us. Do you see that? This, he's giving you the qualification to choose an apostle to take Judas's place. And to be an apostle, amen, they must turn around and bend there the whole time Jesus went in and out. What? For how long was his ministry? Three and a half years. Three and a half years. So they had to be part. They, this, to be qualified, you had to spend time with Jesus. Amen. Number two. Beginning from the baptism of who? John... Under the day that he was taken up from us, one must be ordained a witness, amen, with us of his resurrection. There's three qualifications for the man that they're going to pick to take Judas' place. He had to be here the whole time Jesus was here. He had to be part of John Baptist's baptism. had to be a visible witness of the physical resurrection of Jesus Christ. You know anybody that can do that today? All these guys that claim they're apostles, go get in the phone book, get on television, watch all your YouTube channels. Apostle Mary, Apostle Paul, Apostle all this other stuff, Amen. They had to be a visible witness of the Lord Jesus Christ's resurrection. In Acts chapter number 9, Paul was. Amen. Listen, these men chose somebody. Verse 23. Amen. And they appointed two. Joseph called Barnabas. Or Barsabas. Amen. Uh, was surnamed Justice and Matthias. And they prayed and said, Thou, Lord, which knowest the hearts of all men, show whether these two thou hast chosen, that he may take part in this ministry and what? Apostleship, from which Judas by transgression failed, that he might go to where? His own place. Judas has got a special place reserved for him. His name in Revelation 9-11 Abaddon, Apollyon. He's a king over the bottomless pit. That's who you're dealing with right there. Guess who's coming back in the middle of the tribulation? The son of perdition. That's who Judas is called. He's coming back. He's going to inhabit a body. And when he sits on a throne in Jerusalem declaring himself God, that spirit in this man's coming up, entering into that man. And he becomes known as the son of perdition. Amen. Verse 26. And they gave forth their lots, and the lot fell on Matthias, and it was numbered with who? The eleven. Now listen, there's so many preachers out there and Baptists out there that say the apostles were out of the will of God. They should have never chose him. Paul was meant to be the, the 13th replacement. No, he wasn't. Paul has a special calling. If you read what his calling is in Acts chapter number 9, and it's not to be an apostle, to go to Jerusalem, to, to the Jews, to present the kingdom to Israel. He had to have 12 on the day of Pentecost, 50 days from Passover. Pentecost comes. You had to have 12 apostles, one for each tribe, representing the, 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 each tribe preaching the gospel of the kingdom. Not the gospel of the grace of God. Men better get this. This is where the Charismatics and the Pentecostal and the Church of Christ and everybody else messes up. And Baptists don't know how to handle this. They don't know how to preach because they don't believe what they're reading. We must believe what we're reading. The Holy Ghost must give understanding. Men don't want it. They, they must understand it. And they go to buy commentaries and listen to men that's not going to teach them the truth. Verse 12, or 2, chapter 2, verse 1. And when the what? The day of Pentecost was what? Listen, I believe the church starts here on Pentecost because God does everything with that Jew according to those seven Levitical feasts. He, he was born at Tabernacles. He was crucified at Passover. And the church starts at Pentecost. The church is going out at Pentecost. And Jesus Christ's second advent is coming back when? At Tabernacles. Any other chapter in the Bible doesn't line up with those Levitical feasts. God does everything around those Levitical feasts. 
three times a year, those Jews, Deuteronomy 16, 16, had to come and appear before God. So they were all here at Passover saying, crucify him, crucify him. The chief priest stirred up the multitudes that came into town to celebrate Passover. When he came into town to celebrate Passover, they all came in, they stirred the people's minds up against Jesus. And so when the chief priest cried out, crucify him, all the people said, crucify him. They didn't know what was going on. Fifty days later, they take their journeys back into Jerusalem. They come back into town. God anoints the twelve. So next thing you know, he anoints the twelve and they come out and preach about the kingdom. When? On the feast of Pentecost. God does things on, that, on those seven Levitical feasts. He don't uh, depart from it. He don't deviate from it. That's the key, and that's what I'm looking, studying the rapture, and I'm going, over there in Song of Solomon, chapter number 2, that's not Israel. That's not the remnant. That's the bride of Christ. And he's calling her away just before summer. When? At the Feast of Pentecost. He deals with that Jew, and he does things according to those seven Levitical feasts. How many people go to Leviticus chapter number 23 and study that and compare all those things and line it up and figure out how God works? People don't do that. Amen. So verse 1. When the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all in one accord, one place. Amen. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as, a, as of a rushing mighty wind. And it, the sound, right? The sound filled all the houses where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as... Of fire. Didn't say it was fire, did it? Right? And it, what's it? No, not in verse 3. Change context. Went from wind in verse 2. In verse 3 it says, There appeared unto them what? Cloven tongues. And it, or like as a fire, and it, whatever this cloven tongue was, sat upon each of them. You understand? Something like, something like that. And see, that's where all the charismatics get this baptized with fire. And they want to go over there to Matthew chapter number 3 and says, I baptize you with water. Amen. Matthew 3.11. He that cometh after me baptize you with the Holy Ghost, comma, and with fire. And they say, this is the fire that John was talking about. It is not the fire John was talking about. Because you read verse 12. It said he'll gather his wheat into the garner. That's the Holy Ghost baptized people. And, and then he'll burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. That's the people. That's the baptism of fire. That's being cast into hell. You understand? And they want to take hellfire in Matthew chapter number 3, verse 11 and 12, and put it right here in the passage. And it's unwarranted, it's unscriptural, it's wrong, and they're twisting and making new doctrines. It, like as a fire, cloven tongues like as a fire, sat on them. It is the language. It's the tongue. It's the power of the Holy Ghost gave them to be able to speak this language so people can hear them in their own tongue. Proof. They're all filled with who? The Holy Ghost began to speak with who? Other tongues. Do you see that? Didn't say unknown, did it? Well, I tell you what, people have a time of it. They misinterpret the Bible. Amen? They better get it. They're baptized with the Holy Ghost, and they, not the 120, the 12 apostles, the 11. Right? And they had Matthias, which made 12. And they all stand up, baptized with the Holy Ghost, and those 12 men preach, and the multitude hear them in their own language, in their own tongue. What are they doing? They're presenting the gospel of the kingdom again to them. They're not, they're, not, they're not promoting the gospel of the grace of God. The apostle Paul hadn't even been saved yet. Hadn't even written the, 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 the new covenant for the church. The church ain't even a thought this period of time in the Bible. Amen. You said, preacher, you're messing up. No, I ain't. I'm, I'm trying to solve the problem by just simply believing what's writ written. Verse 5, and there were dwelling where? At Jerusalem, who? Boy, you better get that. It's a Jewish feast. On a Jewish feast day, they all came in, back in. This is the second time of the year. All those males had to come in and celebrate the feast. So they come in to celebrate a Jewish feast day. Devout men out of every what? Nation. They're coming in to, to be faithful to the Jewish religion. They're making their pilgrimage, their journey back home, obeying Leviticus 27 and Deuteronomy or 23 and Deuteronomy 16:16. 16, 16. These are Old Testament Sabbath abstaining. 
or uh, yeah, a Sabbath observing, pork abstaining, temple going Jews. They're obeying the law. They're under Old Testament condemnation here and they don't know it. Verse 6, Now when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded because every man heard them speak how? In his own language. I thought it was another tongue. The Spirit gave them utterance. They're preaching and they hear them in their own tongue. The miracle's in the ear, isn't it? Look at what it says. They're all amazed and marveled, saying one to another, Behold, are not these which speak Galileans? And how we hear every what? Man, verse 6 is man, verse 7 is man, verse 11, them. It's men, it's not women. It's 12 men standing up preaching. You want to shut down the charismatic movement, stop the women from talking in tongues. Amen. That's who's carrying that. That's who started it. How we hear every man in our own tongue wherein we're born, Parthenians, Medes, Elamites, dwellers of Mesopotamia and Judea and Cappadocia and Pontus and Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia and Egypt and parts of Libya about Cyrene, Strangers of Rome, Jews, proselytes, Cretes, ravens, do we hear them speak in our tongues? Other tongues was their tongues, wherein they were born. It's their different nationalities. Listen, the Jews were dispersed and they were scattered all over the world, but they would come back three times a year to observe feasts. And when they came back, they're going, how they know to speak in Mesopotamian? How they know to speak Arabian? How they know to be able to speak all these different languages? The Holy Ghost of God gave them power. They don't have to go to language school. The Holy Ghost gave them the power. Right? When they were all amazed, verse 12, and were in doubt, saying one to another, what meaneth this? Other men said, these men are full of new wine. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said unto them, ye men of Judea, and all that dwell what? At Jerusalem. Amen. For these are not drunken as ye suppose, but is the third hour of the day. But it is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. Here goes all the charismatics. They want to all run to the book of Joel and say, here it is, outpouring the Holy Ghost. And it, and it came to pass when? When? They're in the last days. You know where they're at right there? They're in Daniel's 70th week, promised. The Messiah is cut off at the 69th week. They're in Daniel's 70th week. You find a Bible commentator to believe that. <laughs> there are very few to want to believe that they're right there in Daniel's 70th week. Where are they at? They're in the last days. They're in Joel. When? The last days. They're seven years from the millennial kingdom. He gets up there. Sun will be dark and moon will be turned into blood. Stars from heaven is going to fall before that great notable day of the Lord. He's preaching Armageddon. He's preaching the second advent. You think these people want to believe that? They think it's some kind of circus event we're supposed to be putting on for suckers to get their money. Verse 17, it shall come to pass in the last days. They're there in Daniel's 70th week. Saith God, I will pour out my spirit upon who? All flesh. You know who all flesh is? Hold your place there. 1 Corinthians chapter number 15. 1 Corinthians chapter number 15. We're going to compare scripture with scripture. Amen. Most people will never, never, never get it because they don't read their Bible. They don't study. All flesh there. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 39. This is dealing with a resurrection. All flesh is not the same flesh, but there's one kind of flesh of men, another flesh of beasts, another flesh of fishes, another of birds. You know what he's talking about? When God's going to pour our spirit upon all flesh, that's when he comes back at the millennium and he pours out the Holy Ghost. Amen. His spirit upon all creation. Animals, birds, beasts, men. He removes the curse and in the, in the kingdom. Amen. Everything changes in the kingdom. That's what he's talking about. Colon, and your sons and your daughters. Who's, who's he talking to? He's talking to the Jews. Your sons and your daughters shall what? Prophesy and your young men shall see visions. You know what? That's got to be. Listen, these people ain't dispensationalists. They better get hold of that. Because in the millennium, they're not allowed to prophesy according to Zechariah chapter number 14. And if they prophesy in the millennium, you're to kill them. So this has got to be dispensationally some other in church age. It's got to be Daniel's 70th week where he's given them permission to prophesy. 
Boy, these people better get that. Well, it's the church. We're not in the last days of Daniel's 70th week, which they're in right here. We're in the last hours of the church age. A different dispensation, a different period of time. And Paul tells us what those end days are like. Last days ain't always the same last days in the Bible. You better be in the right dispensation. Better be in the right zip code if you want to get God's mail. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy and your young men shall see visions and your old men shall what? Dream, dream. So we got everybody in the church age eating pizza late night, drinking coffee. Amen. Waking up, having some kind of vision and want to put it on the church and then they want us to dismiss the word of God and sit back and swallow their dreams. Listen, they're falsely prophesying. The rapture of the church will not happen in September. Mark it down. According to Song of Solomon chapter number 2. Everybody's potent it. Everybody's saying the last days are beginning in September when the Pope shows up here and the economy drops and there's a bunch of people say we're already in the tribulation. They're so fouled up they don't know what they're doing. Verse 18, And on my servants and on my handmaids I will pour out when? In those days of my spirit and they shall what? That's something he's going to do special for the Jews in that special week. It's not talking about the church. That's going to be the remnant. <laughs> and I will show wonders where? In heaven above and signs and earth beneath, blood and fire, vapor smoke, and the sun will be turned into what? It's shining right now. It's shining. And the moon shall be what? Turned into blood. Well, this is coming up the fourth blood moon. You know, we had four blood moons and they always show up on them seven feasts you're talking about, preacher. That blood moon showing up September ain't got nothing to do with Acts chapter number two. Yeah. We're talking about a moon that's going to show up at the end of the tribulation. This is not the end of the tribulation. It hadn't even started yet. They better get their little blood moons. Listen, I don't care what all these astronomers say. Hey Amen. They can study the solar system all they want. Try to speak revelations outside the Word of God. You better be careful. Yep. People are following all that stuff because they're following all the hocus-pocus astronomy. Amen. And astrologers and all that other kind of stuff. And the stargazers. And them stargazers led people wrong. Mm -hmm. He said, Preacher, you're just making it so hard. I'm believing what's written. Yep. I'm trying to remove the confusion. Because men don't want to follow historical facts. Look at what he says. The sun should be turned into darkness, the moon into blood. I don't believe it's just going to turn into the color of blood. No. Before the great notable day of the Lord. That's Armageddon. That's Revelation 16. That's Revelation 14. That's Revelation chapter number 6 at the end of the chapter. That is Revelation 19 when he shows up on a white horse. Amen. Boy, he makes a bunch of appearances through the book of Revelation. So that must show me that it's not chronological. Well, that's a good one. Amen. Watch this. All these people, listen, all you people that can stick it out, amen, and have been able to watch me so far, amen, and you're spitting wood and fire and nickels and nails, I want to tell you something. All you guys that believe in Acts 2.38 to save you, why do you skip over verse 21? What's Acts 2.21 say? For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be what? Same like Romans 10, 13, ain't it? And you quote in Joel chapter number 2, and Joel chapter number 2 over there says, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be delivered. You know what the Messiah does? In the middle of the tribulation to the Jewish remnant, He delivers them when they call upon Him. The remnant, the Jewish remnant gets saved. Amen. Israel births a man-child. That remnant, that part of them gets saved. The resurrection of the Jew, they get saved as a nation. And one day, how? Calling upon Him. Oh, man. I'm telling you, these people ain't getting it because they don't believe their Bible. Amen. Verse 22. Ye men of who? It didn't say you inhabitants of the world, you people of the world. He's talking to a nation on their feast day and he's going to deal with them about killing their Messiah. Ain't nothing about salvation by grace through faith plus nothing minus nothing receiving the grace of the gift of God. Ain't in the passage. Amen. Verse 29, who? 
Men and brethren, verse 36, Therefore let all the house of Israel what know assuredly that God hath made that same Jesus whom ye've crucified and Lord, what? Both Lord and Christ. Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter men and, and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? See, there's the answer. Who's speaking there? there? See, they all want to say it's 120 that's speaking in tongues and women are speaking in tongues. Who are those men preaching to? The men that were standing up speaking in tongues. Right? And they heard them in their own language. And he said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, 12 of them, people don't want to read their Bible. They want to read a portion in the Acts here and create a doctrine. And then they don't want to read through the rest of the passage, which sometimes God sheds light when you read further along in the Bible that explains that first part over there in Acts chapter number 2. Amen. So he says, repent. Peter said unto them, repent what? Be baptized every one of you in the name of what? Jesus. So now we got all these Jesus only people baptizing in Jesus only to get what? The remission of sins. Let me ask you a question. Were they getting baptized to get their sins remitted or because they were remitted? <laughs> when you arrest a man for stealing, do you put him in jail for steal or so he can steal? Does he go to jail because he stole or does he go to jail to steal? Listen, he told him to get baptized. Why? Because on Calvary, God forgave that Jew. He said, Father, forgive them in Luke 23, 20, or 40, 23, 34. He said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. He forgave them. They had to receive that forgiveness. They didn't tell him, go get baptized to get your sins remitted. They were forgiven. You understand? It's a preacher, you're crazy. And you shall receive who? The gift of the Holy Ghost. The gift of the Holy Ghost. Is that tongues? The gift of the Holy Ghost is the Holy Ghost Himself. Well, you've got to have the initial evidence of Him showing up, speaking some mumbo-jumbo gibberish. That ain't the gift of the Holy Ghost. What you got, that mumbo-jumbo gibberish, is a counterfeit. Because they had a new tongue and they spoke in other tongues, and the unknown tongues we'll get into if we got time. Maybe part three and four. For the promises unto who? You. Who's you? Somebody in Dayton, Ohio, 2015? October or August 16th? No. It's talking to Israel and to your children and all that are what? Far off. That's not us. Amen. That's Jews of the, that's the dispersed Jews, Daniel 9 7. As the Lord our God shall call. And with many other words, did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this untoward, untoward generation. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized. That's the verse that the Baptists explain away. Acts 2.38. Yeah. Amen. And the same day they were added unto them, who? 3,000 souls. People were put in to Christ. And they continued steadfastly where? The apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and prayers and fear came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were done by who? The apostles. The apostles. Isn't that something? Acts chapter number 5. Acts chapter number 5. The apostles had the gifts. Amen. Acts 5, 14. And believers were more added unto the Lord, multitudes, both men and women. Verse 11. And great fear came upon all the church and upon, all, and upon as many as heard these sayings and by the hands of the who? Apostles were many signs and wonders wrought among the people. Acts chapter number 8. Verse 16. For he has not yet fallen upon them, only they that were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. That's what all the Pentecostals want to use. Then said they and their hands on them and they received who? The Holy Ghost. See, some people are baptized with the Holy Ghost in Jesus' name only. Some people are baptized with the Holy Ghost when somebody lays hands on them. Some people are baptized in the Holy Ghost in Acts chapter number 10 when somebody preaches and nobody touches them and nobody puts them in water and nobody says in Jesus' name. Which one are you going to follow? 
Better go to the man that got it all straightened out than the Apostle Paul and see what he had to say about it. Right? Watch it, verse 18. When Simon saw it through the laying on of the, who? The apostles' hands. The Holy Ghost was given. He offered them what? Listen, the signs of apostle. Acts chapter number, or 1 Corinthians chapter number 1. 1 Corinthians chapter number 1. First Corinthians chapter number one. Verse twenty-two. The Jews require a sign. You know how God came to the Jews? He came to them with signs. Right? Where did Israel start? Israel starts with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Right? And then when God goes to send a deliverer, He uses signs in this Exodus chapter number 3 and 4. And Moses, He gave signs because signs are for the Jew. And He said, these signs, these signs, these signs. And the Sabbath is a sign. And that's what the seven-day disadvantage can't handle is that it's a sign. There's signs to the Jews. Jews require signs. Tongues. 1 Corinthians chapter 14. 1 Corinthians chapter 14 where all these Jews go. Or all these charismatics go. 1 Corinthians chapter number 14, verse 21. In the law it is written, with men of what? Other tongues. Amen. And other lips will I speak unto who? This people. And yet for all that they will not hear me, say the Lord. Wherefore tongues are for a sign. Signs are for who? And First Corinthians, Second Corinthians, twelve, twelve. The signs of who? An apostle. Listen, tongues are for a sign, and it's for that Jew. Amen. You say, well, read the rest of the verse. Wherefore, tongues are for a sign to them that what? To them that believe, not to them that believe, but to them that believe not. It's for lost people. Amen. You know who's lost in Acts chapter nineteen? <laughs> Jews, proselytes. Amen. You know who's lost in Acts chapter number 2? Jews. You know what them guys are doing? They're speaking to them that they might be able to get saved. Not for them to believe. Why are all these so-called believing Pentecostals, amen, seeking a sign for something they already believe? They're already supposed to have the Holy Ghost. What are they seeking signs for? Well, we're doing it for all the unbelievers. No, they ain't, man. All it is is just for them to stroke their own flesh. Pat himself on the back, try to present himself being spiritual. The least of all the gifts, the last one on the list. Amen. That's the one they want to claim. Hello. Amen. Let's see what he's qu quoting over here in uh, Isaiah. Isaiah 28. Isaiah 28, verse 11. And with stammering lips, and what? Another tongue will I speak unto this people. That's what he's quoting in 1 Corinthians 14. Amen. You have new tongues, other tongues, and then he said, another tongue. Right? I tell you what, these guys are beginning to sink real quick. Well, they're parading around and what they're trying to tell me I need doesn't line up. 1 Corinthians chapter number 14. 1 Corinthians chapter number 14. This, this is their puppy. This is their champion. Amen. This wants to give them their license to do. This is their badge of spirituality. You said what? Let's look at what it says. Verse 1. 1 Corinthians 14. 1. Follow after charity and desire what? Spiritual gifts, but rather that you may prophesy. For he that speaketh what? In an unknown tongue. There we go. Ladies and gentlemen, we have got the Bible. 1 Corinthians 14. We got unknown tongue. What's unknown in the Bible? Huh? Listen, you've got to understand how God uses the word unknown in the Bible to understand what he's saying about unknown tongues. Let me show you something here. They're, they're all running around. Look at verse 10. There are, if so be, many kinds of voices in the world, and none of them is what? 
without signification. That means, amen, it's not unknown to everybody. <laughs> it may be unknown to me, but it doesn't mean it's unknown to others. And there's a bunch of people that's heard people speaking in some gibberish in the middle of a church service and a missionary from a foreign country come in and say, Stop, 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 stop! They're blaspheming God! Because they understood the language. They were filled with an unclean spirit. They were filled with a devil. They think they're speaking in the Holy Ghost and they're blaspheming Jesus Christ in a service and the dumb Christians don't know what's going on. And it's the grace of God that a missionary happened to be there, which he shouldn't have been, but he happened to come through and expose it. These people don't know what they're talking about. They don't know what they're doing. They don't know if they're blaspheming God. They're just practicing whatever. And they got baptized in a spirit. Verse 7. And even things with life-giving sound, whether piped or harped, except it give a distinction in sounds... How should it be known what is piped or harped? For if a trumpet give an uncertain sound, who should prepare himself to battle? So likewise, ye accept, ye utter by the tongue. Amen. Words easy to be understood. How shall it be known what is spoken? For ye shall speak in the air. For there are, so may be, that many voices in the world, and none of them without signification. Therefore, if I know not the meaning of the voice, I shall be unto him that speaketh a barbarian, and he shall speak. Amen. Uh, he that speaketh shall be a barbarian unto me. But I tell you what, God's not admonishing the unknown tongue for people to use. When we go through the chapter, I ain't got time today to go through the chapter. Listen, let's look at something real quick. Let's look at uh, first Acts chapter 17. Acts chapter number 17. Unknown it's not always unknown to everybody. It's known to somebody. Right? It may be known to you. You may be ignorant of it, but somebody may be wise to it. Acts 17. He comes by. He sees all these people worshiping all these different idols. Verse 23. For I passed by and beheld your devotions. I found an altar with this inscription. To who? The unknown God. The unknown God. He was not known to the Athenians, but Paul said, Him declare I unto you. He was known to Paul. He said, this guy you're worshiping, you'd build a statue to you. I'm going to tell you about him. <laughs> Second Corinthians chapter number 6. Second Corinthians chapter number 6. People better get a hold of this. First Corinthians chapter number 6. Huh? Second. Second Corinthians chapter number 6. Second Corinthians chapter number 6. Paul's given a list of things to prove yourself as ministers of God. And he says, as, verse 9, as unknown, yet what? Well known. Paul was unknown to people by face, but he was known to others. He is well known to others. Listen, unknown here is a known language to some and unknown to others. It's not some spiritual heavenly language that's unknown only to children of God filled with the Holy Ghost. He said, how do you know? 2 Corinthians chapter 12. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. You ready to slam the door shut? 2 Corinthians chapter number 12. I know I can see right now, if somebody can stomach through this right now, they're getting so mad at me. Others may be crying and weeping. You say, why? Because, listen, I sat and showed a guy that was in an Assembly of God church. He was a deacon in a church, and I showed him what the Bible teaches on tongues, and he wept, and he cried, and he had bib overalls on, and tears were standing in his bib overalls, and he said, pray for me. Because he realized he'd been sold a wooden nickel. And his pastor was kin to Jimmy Swagger. Amen. I'm telling you, I sat right, I dealt with these guys. I know what I'm talking about. Second Corinthians 12, verse 1. It is, doubt, it, is, it is not expedient for me, doubtless to glory. I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. I knew a man in Christ about 14 years ago, whether in the body I cannot tell, whether out of the body I cannot tell, God knoweth. Such a one was what? Caught up. That's what's going to happen to us. We're going to get caught up, raptured, to the third heaven. And I knew such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I cannot tell, God knoweth. How that he was caught up into paradise and heard what? Unspeakable words, which is not lawful for a man to what? You got a heavenly language? It's not lawful for you to speak it. <laughs> Woo! Amen. It's illegal, unlawful. And if you know, he didn't know what to do good and do it not to him, it is what? Sin. And we know that transgression of the law is what? 
sin. So if you got something that's only reserved from heaven, you got a heavenly language, it's unlawful for you to speak it. You will transgress. So what all these people are doing, saying they got an unknown tongue, they're transgressors. They're transgressing. The things that Paul heard, unspeakable words, if he was to bring them up down here, it's unlawful. It's against the law. He's a violator. He's a transgressor. These people that claim they got this unknown language, they're transgressors if they apply it and use it. Amen, preacher. Amen. These people claim they got something they ain't got. It's unlawful to speak, and I'll finish with this. We'll get into maybe the whole chapter later. The problem with the Pentecostal movement and tongues is they come to Acts chapter number 2 and they add to the word tongues unknown. Then they take and they come over to 1 Corinthians chapter number 14 and they add the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And they take verses of Scripture from here and verses of Scripture from there, think they're rightly dividing, and they create a doctrine instead of preaching the truth about what the Scriptures say. Unknown tongues is not in Acts 2. Baptism of the Holy Ghost is not in 1 Corinthians 14. And therefore they're creating a false doctrine. And it's a doctrine of confusion. According to 1 Corinthians chapter 14, God is not the author of confusion. That whole movement causes confusion. He said, Preacher, you're the one that sounds like you're confused. We get along real good.